this isn't about what the past, how the past impinges any past, and about how to get over that, and how not to be a victim of history. Welcome to uh, series two of <laughs> yes. Less Left in the Past. Series two, episode one. Yeah, series two. That's what we were doing. Yeah, it was, it, was it, was, it was a break. It was, it was a deliberate break. We're just lazy. It's very lazy. Very lazy. Yeah, we're back. We're back, yeah. We'll try and do it every week. Well, maybe. We'll, we'll try. We'll, we'll see what try. happens. We'll yeah. try. We all have busy lives. We're very busy. Yeah. <laughs> Watching. Um, Many series is about series is this? series series about serial killers and other things. What have we watched? Uh, the fall that was really good. It's oh, old yeah. now, but um, it's really old. good. Yeah. Like it was last year. It's not fresh though, is it? It's not fresh. No, it's not like we. No. Anyway, all we do is pretty much every. We've been saying we're going to record an episode for a few months now, and I have mentioned it a couple of times, and then we literally just don't open the laptop, and it is so easy to do this, but... It is. We just end up watching TV. But TV is great. TV is so good, but yeah, tonight we're doing it. It's Friday night, and uh, we're going to do some talking. Yes. (laughs) That is what we have to do to do this. I, um... Our last episode, I think, before we had our, our break from our first season... Was about the plague. Was that right? Was that the last one we did? I I, I think it was about the plague, and uh, so I've started listening to a new podcast this week called "This Podcast Will Kill You," which is about infectious diseases, and they talked about the plague, um, and it was really interesting. And what you failed to tell me during our podcast episodes about the plague was that the plague is still a thing. Yeah, it's still a thing, in some places. Yeah, I didn't I, think it was. Well, oh, oh, in my defence, we were doing it on the Black Death, and the Black Death isn't. Oh, a were thing we? Anymore. Okay, but the actual plague is still a, a thing that happens. It, it's not been eradicated fully. In fact, I've learnt that if there's very few diseases actually, infectious diseases that have been eradicated fully. Anyway, just to add there. So the plague is still a thing, guys. Be worried. <laughs> but probably not. But in probably this country. Not here. And. No. Was it like Southeast Asia? Like I think it Thailand, was places Cambodia. like that, and maybe like um, oh no, that was something else they were talking. They did an episode about leprosy and how they sent all these people to Hawaii. It was horrendous. Listen to that podcast; it's really good if you're interested in that kind of stuff. There you go. That was your nice little shout out to <laughs> someone else, wasn't it? Yes. I'm waiting for the day that someone does it for us. <laughs> I don't. We'll we'll see. <laughs> So right. you're looking at uh, Memento Mori. Well, I suppose we're going to do like a little short series on uh, the Icelandic sagas for a bit, mainly because it it's easy for me because that's what I do for the PhD that I'm finishing off. Um, so I think that kind of... And it's what I really, really like doing. Yeah. And hopefully it will make people actually want to read them because they're super, super interesting. Yeah. If you think like Vikings on TV as much as I dislike it I know a lot of people do like it and that's you know based on a saga and there's loads of stuff like that and that's not even based off a you know particularly interesting saga I mean they make loads of stuff up in the TV show and loads of it's just 
you know, completely fabricated. But that's not the point. The point is that people enjoy it. Yeah. And just because I don't doesn't mean that it's not good. But there's some other truthful, interesting stuff that you're going to tell us about. There is. Well, I mean, they're all, you know, stories themselves anyway. But they are like an oral history of the people who lived in Iceland at that time. And they're super interesting. But we'll get on to that. Awesome. First we're gonna look I'm just at... gonna quickly oh. I'll open the story. Yeah, yeah. Memento Mori photography. I thought this would be a cool little thing to talk about. Something that I am very glad has been left is is, is left in the past because it really We is. don't have to say that every episode. <laughs> we don't have to be like referring to the title of the Well podcast. I it's we're coming back, we've had about eight months off, so I'm just That's reminding true. people. Remind, wow, what we're what we're about. So Memento Mori photography was something adapted, I think, in the Victorian age. I'm not a historian. I've literally just read about this. I knew it was a thing, but I've just read about it now on my phone. <laughs> what did you find out? Basically, when people died then, which was more common when they were younger. Yeah, they didn't. What, like people, infant mortality. Sorry, mortality. I can't speak. Mortality. Mortality bad. Morta- <laughs> mortality bad. Mortality bad. Victorian time. Sad. Yeah. So you didn't. Photography was well. The only way, way people were were photographed was that they were painted, which was very expensive. Around the time the. Vic- Sometime in Victorian ages, yeah. photography was becoming a thing. Yeah. But again, still expensive. So the best time to ever do photography, they worked out, was when somebody was dead. Because it became a way of commemorating the dead and the sharpness of grief. That's a very beautiful way of putting it. I know, that. BBC. <laughs> it seems morbid. It's not your own words. No, it seems morbid to us you know, in the age of the selfie and everything like that. That's me. Yeah. But in Victorian England, this this was okay. This is what you did. You didn't have photographs. You didn't have, like we have now, we have endless photographs of, of people when they were alive and memories and ways to preserve people. They didn't have that then. So, yeah. and photography was so expensive. You didn't have family portraits. You didn't go down to, you know, the photo booth and take a photo together. So what they would start to do is they would have sort of, at the funeral or after the funeral they would photograph the dead body um often posed with other members of family or on their own they'd be put onto cards to send out to like relatives and stuff to show that they died here's john here's john yeah he's dead now oh yeah his photo um, of him we didn't bother taking one when he was alive is that why it was then because these things were so prohibitively expensive for, yeah um you don't think about getting one done and then someone dies and we're like, oh shit, we need to remember or we want to remember what yeah, it looks like. Yeah, And actually, it was the, <laughs> this is awful, but a motionless person, it was the best yeah, thing to photograph because of long exposure yeah. photography. No movement. So the photographs yeah, often came out really well. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like, well, weren't they? There's no movement. No there. movement. Not but, even, you know, even they would have, a lot of families have uh, lots of children. Yeah. But a lot of the, you know, some of the children wouldn't live till, I think the age that I read something was about five. What? What like percentage? Some, I don't know. I don't know. Let's make it up. So they'd have lots of children basically because they, I think they probably knew that one or two probably would die yeah, yeah. before they hit like even getting anywhere near being teenagers. Yeah. So there's all these photographs. You can Google it. Just Google me- um, Memento Mori photography and you'll find quite 
disturbing photographs to be honest so you know just prepare yourself for that of siblings you know cuddling their their dead dead brothers and sisters yeah i mean i I get it in a way yeah i mean it's it's it is creepy but i think it's only creepy from like our perspective from our perspective now but then it was it was seen it probably made a lot of sense to do i think it was a cathartic experience in a way for people when grieving and what I've actually learned from this more than oh it's creepy to take photos of dead people it was more they were more aware of death and accepting of death and it was their way of like honouring someone dying yeah now I think we're not as open to discussing death and I think then because they knew it was more I think this day and age we think we're all going to live forever but then they were more accepting that they're going to die and I think the acceptance of it comes from the fact that death was more of a not more common because obviously everyone dies but more people dealt with the actual physical reality of it whereas nowadays you don't really deal with it like you know if you think old people end up in hospitals or nursing homes you're not really there when they die no whereas when people used to have to you know share their family home for their entire life you saw when yeah 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 you were there um and the same with younger children things like that you would see them get sick yeah and they would and and during this age you know there was so much disease and and poverty which caused people to die so prematurely like mortality rates were so high and like you you know you fought london yeah cholera cholera, yes cholera was a big one um and i didn't know this but memento mori just directly translates to um Do you want me to do it because I do know? Yeah, go on. Yeah, it's like remember death. That's like, it. Remember, remember you will die. Remember you will die. That's yeah, it, which yeah. I didn't know until today, so it's really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's just a little bit about memento mori photography. Do Google it. You can have a little look, and it is uh, really interesting. I know you said it was like morbid now the idea of taking photos of dead bodies, but have you seen like those things that have gone around on Snapchat where like teenagers have gone and like taken like Snapchat photos with like dog filters on next to like their dying like grandparents in a hospital bed. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I have seen like, stuff like that. RIP grandma will miss you so much if she's got like a dog face with a tongue out. I think it's funny. I don't think they're kid I don't know. Children. Youths. Youths. <laughs> I think it's funny. Um, it's mm. obviously not appropriate or acceptable, but it's definitely made me laugh on more than one occasion. <laughs> Terrible. I think it's fine. <laughs> People grieve in different ways, so Yeah, they do. Yeah, fair. And also Mentamori now a lot of like jewellery and stuff's become a big thing, hasn't it? Um like locks of hair and Yeah. More into lockets, really yeah, and turning um ashes into putting ashes in rings and things like yeah. that. So that's kind of like a modern way of doing it rather than you know, we don't need to do it now because we have so many photographs and things of people but Yeah. Yeah. But people do like having the ashes in rings and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, oh, I think that's quite, quite nice. Uh, I don't know. You know my thoughts on cremation anyway. Yeah. I think mm. it's a bit industrial and... FYI, Max wants to be buried and I want to be cremated. But so. cremation... Like, I like the idea of cremation, but cremation, how it's such... It's so industrial and... Holocausty. Like, <laughs> not in... Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that... The, that's a respectful way to treat a dead body. Like, it just goes into a big industrial oven. Like, that's all it makes me think of. I don't know whether that's the Polish side of me coming out and just thinking, oh, God, the idea of... Have you been to a cremation? Yeah, like, loads of... Like, my auntie was cremated, my uncle was cremated. I mean, just... 
And then if you have, I've been like in the back of a crematorium before and seen like the actual oven from the other side. Like it's horrible. Like it's so industrious, so clinical and cold and yeah, I know, like, I know, but there's just no other way to do it unless we, you know, you start a fire outside. Yeah, but you're not allowed to do that. It's illegal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's it's just a body. You, I, I think you should be able to. What once you're dead, that's it. It's up to a family what they do with you. I don't understand why people can't just be burned in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I'd want. Just <laughs> stick, me on, stick me on a bonfire. <laughs> My fucking Guy Fawkes dollar yeah. bonfire. Just yeah. <laughs> Because I, I I think the problem I have with it is the same reason I have like a problem with like hospitals and dying in hospital is it's so like clinical and clean and it's all dealt with in a really like efficient and I don't know like death should be like messy and personal and you know not to four hundred degrees or whatever it takes to cremate your body and so and then so obviously like when you get the ashes to make this ring that's where we got to stop yeah. it from like. Loads of that's going to be like just took that was in the fucking. No, they're cleaning it out. Yeah, but well, people clean their ovens at home, but there's always shit oh still left in there. Oh my god, it's not the same. It's not like a hot point oven in the in your house, and then it. No, it's it's still an oven. The principle is still there, but there's loads of soot in it. Anyway, anybody who's thinking of getting cremated, are you put off now? There should be. Jesus I don't want. Christ. I don't want anyone to get cremated. I don't <laughs> want you. I want you getting cremated. Well, hopefully I'll die after you. Well, you'll have to. Once <laughs> you'll go in the grounds to rot. <laughs> How'd you like that? I'm gonna bury you under the pile. That's fine. I'm happy being buried. That's fine. Right, go with your with your stuff. We're story already. We're done with that then. Yeah. No, don't worry. People get bored. They don't want to hear us talking. I think that's the point of a podcast, yeah, but... isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> so the saga that we're going to be looking at today is uh, Greta's saga, or the saga of Greta the Strong. Honestly, like without wanting to come off as too much of a fucking nerd, what it's a, nerd. a really, really good book. <laughs> if you read any translation of it, they're all enjoyable. It's such like a brilliantly described story it's so interesting so much happens to this guy during his life he's an arsehole like he is a real dick to people but there's something that's really really likeable about him you're like he's this just fantastic warrior he's smart as well be in a dickish kind of way like he makes up like all these poems on the spot basically which was like in Icelandic society the sign of like a keen wit that like you would come up with this like well composed verse on the spot and you you know, your language to do what I'm not doing now. <laughs> express yourself eloquently. And, uh, it's very you know. eloquent. So yeah, he's he's a real dick, but he is really, really enjoyable. So we're going to just read a little bit about his life. He's uh, born into a relatively wealthy family. He has another brother who is a stand-up guy, basically. Uh, Greti, however, is not... Um, he's described all throughout the book as being sort of very very unreasonable and difficult to deal with he's not uh, really someone that you can argue with he's very very stubborn uh, the beginning of the book or the beginning of the saga rather because obviously these things are written down um, a long long time after they're first composed because they were done as part of like an oral tradition so people would like gather around you know a 
a table, gather mm-hmm. around by the fire, someone would speak this story out loud. So okay. saga literally means to say, like, you're saying something. So, so it's a real guy? Yeah, Gre- Greta Asmund Darson is a real person who existed. Right. Um, that doesn't mean everything that's in the saga about him is 100% true. No. But all good stories deserve embellishment and Mm -hmm. this one definitely does have embellishment which couldn't have possibly happened in real life but it's still super super interesting so yeah he's really really unreasonable um, and that's apparent from an early age does not get on with his dad um, and they sort of butt heads a lot of the time it becomes really really clear early on that he's going to be a violent person as well Um, the first thing where you really get a taste of that is there's a, a it's just described as a ball game. It doesn't actually say what kind of ball game it is. And there's a guy there called Orphan who basically fights with Gretir, is a few years older than Gretir, and basically wrestles him, puts him on the floor and sort of teaches him a lesson. Then, there's, shortly after that, Gretir goes, basically in Iceland every year, they have this thing called the All Thing, which was like their form of parliament, where they basically, what are you laughing at? You laughing because I can't do TH sound. No, because I was t- stifling a belch. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, you may as well have done it out loud now, now but everyone knows that. <laughs> Sorry. So I have this thing called the all thing. I'm really taking care to pronounce my THs because I know that that's one thing I don't do very well. No, you don't. It's useful then. You can't help it. I don't know. It's a speech impediment. It's got a speech impediment. It's not his fault. <laughs> so the all thing was like, Iceland was like... Pre- so where are we? Iceland. Iceland. What year is it? Uh, so Gretir was born just before like the year 1000 we don't have an exact date Christ how long ago is that like we know don't you because you can do so now it's 2018 yeah so it's just this was year 1000 so yeah. it's a thousand years ago yeah 1018 years yeah. ago right it's not that long ago really yeah it's quite a long time ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> So in Iceland, every year they had this thing called the All Thing, which was basically like an early form of like parliamentary democracy, but wasn't quite because only sort of landowning people could vote and do stuff like that. But basically, every year it was a big like social occasion as well. Everyone would travel to Thingvellir, which is a part of Iceland. They'd go and basically discuss like all the major social issues of the day. So like when Iceland became Christian, it was decided at the All Thing. Like, it didn't happen like it did in England, for example, where conversion actually happened, you know, and someone, you had to convert lots of different communities at once, uh, at different times. The decision was made just overnight. They were trying to decide whether they should be a Christian country or a pagan country, and it was left to one guy to decide. He went in his tent overnight, thought about it, and said, we should become Christian. So this is the sort of thing they decide there. Everyone goes to it because it's a big social occasion. And on the trip there, uh, he has an argument with this guy called Skeggy over... Um, Skeggy? Skeggy. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to enjoy the names in this, It just sounds like a scouser. Skeggy. <laughs> well, if you want to think of him like that, that's uh, fine. <laughs> so basically, he has an argument uh, with this guy, Skeggy, and it's nothing more than over uh, whose bag is this. Basically, so imagine you know. Do you remember in like when you were in like year seven or year eight, and everyone had like the same bag, yes. or something, and you put it down. Someone else picks it up, and do you think you say to them, "Oh, that's my bag"? Mm-hmm. 
This sort is what this is kind of what this argument was. Kinda, like. yeah. They both are laying claim to this bag of provisions. One of them's obviously lost their bag of provisions. The other one hasn't. It's not clear who this actually belongs to. So you have an argument about this. Neither of them back down because Greta is very, very stubborn. And Skeggy thinks Greta is a bit of a twat because <laughs> he's so stubborn and he thinks that he can just get away with anything because he's from a good family and, you know, is really, really argumentative. Greta at this point is about, this happens in 1011. People say that Gretir might have been born about 996, so it'd be about 14, 15 at this time. Okay. Um, and so Skeggy basically says to him, if Orphan were closer to us, he would wring your neck like he did at a ball game. Gretir replies, so much for better, but you're not going to wring my neck, however this turns out. So basically squaring up to each other at this point. Skeggy goes for an axe. Gretir wrestles it out of his hand and buries it down into Skeggy's head. This oh boy, my god! This fourteen-year-old boy buries his axe into his other guy's head. Um, takes a f- food bag and rides off with it. Doesn't say anything about it until he catches up with the rest of the group they're travelling with, where they ask where Skeggy's gone. And this is where Gretir comes into his own with his little on-the-spot poetry. Uh, he says, a singular troll creature known for its cutting v- jibes swooped down just now on Skeggy. It was thirsting after blood, its hard mouth stretched in a grin as it touched his skull. Its bite cleanly split his forehead. I was witness to this myself. So he's saying it's a troll that's done it, but everything he's talking about there means an axe. Okay. So oh, he's can, clever. He is clever. Wow. Yeah. So it's all like a metaphor. So he's not lying to them, but he sort of is lying to them. Yeah. Uh, because they take him at face value and they re- it says that Thorkell's followers for man that they're travelling with uh, to the all thing says that no troll would have taken a man in full daylight so Thorkell begins to suspect something has happened here and this is what earns Greta his first sentence of outlawry now in uh, medieval Iceland there were two forms of outlawry that you could have this first one is lesser outlawry which basically means you have to go abroad, you have to leave Iceland for three years. Oh. So. Specific. Yeah, it's very, very specific. Do they have any concept of years at this point? What, as like a measure of time? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> they do. I don't know. No. But no I didn't know when someone invented 365 days in a year. The Gregorian calendar. <laughs> when was the calendar invented? <laughs> The thing is, I don't actually know a proper answer to this, so it's not so like laughing. I'm going, ha. It's, but a they, it's, the Gregorian, it's the Gregorian calendar that we use, so that must be Pope Gregory, Gregory the Great, it must be. So, like the 5th century, 4th century. Oh, so before this then? Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been using like Gregorian calendar for a long time by this point. I think. I'm not a history of a calendar person. Right, well, they knew. They knew what day they knew it was. They knew what year it was. Ish. Yeah. Gregory, no, wait, what's his name? Gretir. Gretir. I can't just stop thinking about Thor. You think of him as... As, as Chris Hemsworth. Do you? As Chris <laughs> Is that what he looks like? No, well, he might have done, who knows. He's described as being abnormally large, like, in oh, stature. like a big... Like a big, like, huge, huge guy. Like, there's several points in the saga well, I'm where... I'm surprised that if he was... He must have been huge to smash somebody in the head with an axe age 14. Yeah. And yeah, he's described as being, a, you know, abnormally large as a child. 
you know, he grows very, very big and strong. Like, that's the one thing that, you know, the saga is of Grettir the Strong. Why um, is Grettir so famous? Because we have a story about him. Um, okay. And also all the stuff that he goes on to do throughout the story is pretty impressive. Oh. So we'll get, we'll get to him. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he is massive. I don't know, I've never pictured him as Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> it's just because... I think he's a little... It's the only thing I can think of. I think a bit more... Uh, Rough around the edges. Chris Hemsworth's very pretty. Yeah, he I think is. I think of him more as. Uh, oh. No, I can't think. I mean, Thor's not a Viking, is he? What, is like, he... as in the Marvel character Thor? Yeah. No, he's an Asgardian, which basically means he's an alien. Oh, for God's sake. But. When I think of Vikings, I just think of Thor, but it's not the same thing. But Thor, the. <laughs> the actual god Thor, who the mighty Thor in Marvel yeah. comics is based off, was Scandinavian, but not Viking. Viking is like a really specific thing in Scandinavia. Like everyone thinks that like Vikings and Scandinavian is like an interchangeable term, but Viking is a specific. It's like a job title, basically. You to be a Viking, you have to go out raiding. Oh, right, okay, so like, you're not just a Viking because you lived in Scandinavia. No, that would be time. like, yeah, because Scandinavia was full of farmers and warriors who weren't Vikings and polit- well, not politicians, but like members of royal courts and things like that, merchants. These people aren't necessarily Vikings. Vikings could be other things. Well, Vikings could also be farmers. They could also be merchants. They were merchants because we've got like... We can see how much trading they did with, you know, the entire Western world, basically, from, like, the Ottoman Empire, where Turkey is now, all the way through to, like, Spain, all the way through to Ireland. Like, they have a massive, massive sphere of influence. Um, so they did do other things. Were they bad bastards, Vikings? Uh, well, what do you mean by that? I thought, I just get the, like, the, the, the... <laughs> get the idea that they're bad bastards like fighting and shagging and that fighting and shagging <laughs> I mean they did do their share of fighting and shagging but that was kind of normal for for that time they're not any worse than any other group of people in medieval Europe really like uh, any kind of warlike uh, people in medieval Europe okay so yeah, they're not great, like, I'm not saying that they don't go out raping and pillaging, like, Vikings did do that. They also set up a massive trading network. What's, a pilli- um, what's pillaging? Like, nicking all people's stuff. Oh, bad bastards. That's what, like, to be a Viking was, was to raid, go and steal all their stuff, kill the people who were trying to protect their stuff. Raid and rape? Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, so. <laughs> Greti isn't a Viking. No. Um, he does go travelling and he does sort of go raiding but he's, that's not really his thing or at least he's never really part of a social group enough to you know to fit in with a group of raiders he's a real outsider in this uh, story he's not someone who gets on well with others um, people do look up to him and admire him when he shows himself to be particularly strong uh, or particularly brave um, there's a few people in his life who he does get on with pretty well but by and large, he's really does things his own way. He's not a team player. Okay. Um, so basically, this earns him his uh, form of lesser outlawry, 
where he has to go abroad for three years. That's what the sentence is. Uh, full out Laurie, which eventually does happen to Greta later on. Because he killed someone. Killed someone with an axe. Yeah. You just have to piss off for three years. Yeah, basically. Okay. Um, it was a violent society. If you read the Icelandic sagas, people are getting killed a lot of the time. Um, it's you know part and parcel of what happens when you have a community of people living out on an island in the middle of nowhere where tempers flare and arguments and people have weapons to hand. People often get killed. It's still a serious deal when it does happen. It always has consequences. But it's dealt with in a very different way because what happened here wasn't murder. Like Murder was something really specific where if you try to conceal that you'd killed someone, that's murder. Okay. Like this is not murder. This is a killing. So you, yeah. this killing has to be declared so that when they go to the all thing, they declare it the all thing and the case is settled at the all thing. So people would prosecute on behalf of the, the dead man and say, this is what we want from this. We want this form of compensation or we want this punishment for this person. They pursue that case and eventually someone decides on what the punishment is. And for this case, uh, Greta is sentenced to full outlawry and there's compensation paid to the uh, lesser outlawry and Greta is... Uh, or his family is made to pay compensation to a family of a dead man. All right. And that's it. That's done and dusted for a dead relative. And this is why these stories often cover feuds that go on for years and years and years because, you know, the death of a relative is something that often can't be compensated by some money and someone going abroad for three years. So when that person comes back, sometimes people want to kill that person yeah and then that yeah. happens and it carries on and on so a lot of the sagas this one not as much but there is some feuding elements in it but some of the sagas are literally just stories of feuds um saga of Bernal is one of them which is a good one which we probably won't cover because it's really really long but it's definitely worth reading as well okay so that's the first time that he kills someone um, yeah and gets sent abroad is he gonna kill more people he kills I haven't even counted how many people he kills in this book, but it's uh, a, a huge, huge amount of people. Um, and not just people as well. One of the things that Greta becomes famous for later in his life, he becomes referred to as a land cleanser, which basically means that if there was like some kind of supernatural being that was dwelling somewhere and basically haunting a place, Greta would be the one that you'd call in, like a ghostbuster. I was about to say, like a ghostbuster. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously not as, you know, Dan Aykroydy and... <laughs> on the subject of Ghostbusters, sorry. Have you actually noticed how, like, super, super creepy, like, Peter Venkman is in Ghostbusters? Is he? Yeah. Like, watch Ghostbusters again and listen to the things he says about, uh... What's Sigourney Weaver's character? Dana, is it? Yeah. D- d- yeah, something like that. Yeah, Dana. No, Dana, Dana. only Zool. Yeah, yeah, Dana. How many times have I seen that film and I've like stopped really know what anyone's name is? He says so many creepy things to her. Oh, uh, like what? Uh, I'm trying to think of. He, I think he sneaks into her room and like watches her sleeping at one point. There's loads of weird stuff. Go and watch Ghostbusters again and watch what Bill Murray does throughout that film. It's weird. It's not okay. Oh, Bill. No, I mean, we like Bill Murray as a person, but like... Bill that, is the best. And that character's obviously meant to be a dick, but I don't think he's meant to be so much of... Like, I think in retrospect now, with our 2018 values, we can look back at it and actually be like, um, some of this stuff isn't okay, you're being a real fucking... A bit rapey, you mean? Not... 
you don't have to go straight to the rapey accusation, but certainly not cool. Okay. His friend should have a word with him about his behaviour. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so yeah, one of the things that he does is he goes and like clears places out of uh, ghosts, but they're not really not ghosts as you would conceive of them no. now. Um, so in medieval Iceland, uh, they refer to these things as draugr, which are ghosts, but they have a actual body. So they're like the returned dead, basically. Oh. Um, kind of like in is it the TV show Returned? Yeah. Imagine that, but yeah. Except they come back and they're really horrible and they're just dicks to people and they end up big and swollen and blue. Oh. So like they're like zombies. Like zombies, but with a personality. Okay. And can talk. And so, like, I know, they're really hard to describe. Like, there's a um, really good article by a guy called Armin Jakobsen, which talks about, like, how you categorise these undead things. Like, they can either be, like, I think the article's called Vampires and Watchmen. And, like, they're either... The vampire's sort of element to it is basically that... um, that you can transmit this sort of form of living dead and uh, it's I know it's weird so say there's one of these creatures roaming about the countryside and it kills you then you can become one of those things right like okay it usually happens as a result of like a bad death so if you are killed and your body's not buried in a correct way which is actually what happens to uh, one of the sort of drogger that Gretir ends up not killing because it's already dead, but defeating and banishing. Yeah. It's uh, the body of someone who's been attacked by one of these things and isn't buried properly. They can't drag it back to a church for burial, so they just bury it out on the moor. And you know, at this point, they're trying to reinforce the idea that you're meant to be buried in a Christian cemetery. Okay. So basically, that's what happens uh, with this guy. Gretir eventually goes and kills him. There's a massive fight. Uh, Greta ends up cursed as a result of this he says uh, Glam ends up saying but you'll never be stronger than you are now and that's true he, and he'll always be uh, afraid of the dark and so Greta ends up afraid of the dark and oh. not getting any stronger and he was always getting stronger throughout his life so and just like that Oh, is that it? No, I mean there's more to come oh. but like, what, what do you think of him as a person so far? Do you still think he's Chris Hemsworthy or... No, that's literally because it's the only reference oh, I've got okay. I never watch anything about anybody. Yeah. Viking-esque, Scandi, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to find out who else he's killed and about this... Uh, just want more killings. ...weird zombie defeater. Did he just tell people that he was, like, defeating these... Where's this come from? Is this all a bit of a... It's... Okay, so basically, when he is uh, sentenced to uh, lesser outlawry and he's travelling overseas, so basically what happened was people got booted out, but they'd always go to Norway because that's where they had all fam- family and friends like links there. Like it, because everyone in Iceland came from Norway originally, people still know people back in Norway, so they go to Norway by and large. Um, and one of the things that Gretir does when he's there is there's a small island where he's staying with someone who he actually gets on with relatively well. Um, and his dad had been buried in a burial mound because that's what they used to do before Christianity they used to 
make a mound, stick the person in it with oh. a lot of their possessions. So like all the nice shit that you had in life will go into the really? thing of you. So yeah, the mounds um, then guarded by the sort of second category that Armin Jakobsen talks about, which is this watchman, um, is the dead body of a guy called Carvey Old, who's sitting on this, I can't remember if it's described as like a throne or like a little stool, a chair basically. I'm scared. <laughs> so he goes into this mound, finds this guy on a chair, um, and obviously he's a living dead. So he ends up fighting him and defeating him, and that's where he gets his reputation from. And he takes all the valuable stuff out of the mound. The mound isn't haunted anymore, and the, his son isn't initially happy about him breaking into his dad's grave to Obviously. go and nick all his stuff. But Gretir is a nice guy about it and does give him all the riches from it. And in exchange, the son gives him a, a fine sax, which is this sort of like a short sword, basically. Okay. Um, of very, very good quality. And he uses his sword all throughout his life because oh. it's so, so nice. Uh, so that's where he gets his reputation okay. from. Because obviously people hear these stories then and, oh, Gretir was in Norway and he killed a droger. So when, if, when he goes back to Iceland, people think, ah, Greta can deal with this. Right. So that's basically what happens um, with, with Glam. He goes to, uh, I can't remember the name of the farm now. That's it. Forhallstead, I think. And uh, he just gets rid of this guy, Glam. He's Glam himself, like Greta, was a real dick in life as well. He's described as, you know, being very, very obnoxious, um, doesn't get on with people. He thinks he's, you know, he's very, very arrogant. And so Similar he, then. Yeah, so exactly. And so when they fight, they provide sort of a nice mirror to each other because Glam is almost, you know, almost the same as Grettir. Like, he's mm. not that far off of, of what Grettir could become. And Grettir, yeah, ends up fighting with him, basically. And that's that uh, he fights with a lot of other people there's a berserker I don't know if you've ever heard of a berserker before no so well I was going to say what it is but we actually don't really know what they are berserker basically means bear shirt so someone who wears <laughs> a bear's skin as a shirt wow um, or as like a cloak or a gown amazing like, they're always thought of or described as going into like a berserker rage and there's loads of theories as to why people went into a berserker rage. Um, they're described as like biting the edge of their shields and stuff like that when they were in this rage. People, some people say that it's like drug induced. Sounds like PMS. Yeah, I mean, I think you've gone into a berserker rage <laughs> before on several occasions. Um, excuse me. It's fun. Mm. <laughs> it's not PMS. Um, <laughs> That's sexist. <laughs> so basically, um, yeah, some people say like it could be drug induced, but either way, these people fall into a rage. They wear bear shirts or bear skins as a form of clothing. Um, there's loads of like sort of weird sort of pseudo historical stuff that people talk about them saying that like they're members of like a warrior cult and stuff like that. That you know belong to like Odin and stuff like that I don't know there's no real truth to that like we don't really have that much information about berserkers at all like, it's fun though this is it really is, yeah, fun I've it never is fun. heard of this. but that's the thing like the fun element of berserkers isn't necessarily uh, necessarily true like, no. all we know is that they're warriors who would 
throw themselves into a rage. Okay. And however they did that, we don't really know because there's no, no evidence for it. Uh, so basically, he goes and uh, there's a berserker that comes down to a farmstead, um, is unpleasant to the farmer, um, f- basically threatens to rape his daughter. Oh, bloody uh, hell. And, and Greta sort of steps in. As he's, he would. He's staying with a farmer at that time. and uh, Where is Greta now? Is he back in... At this point, he's back in Iceland. Okay. Uh, oh, no, actually, no, sorry, he's still in Scandinavia. There's no berserkers in Iceland. Um, so this is the guy being described as falling into a berserker rage. Um, he's talking with Greta here, and the berserker now found that he was getting nowhere with his talk. He began to bellow loudly and to bite the edge of his shield, putting the shield in his mouth and grinning over the rim and getting enraged. Wow. Greta dashed out into a field where he came up right up to a berserker's horse. He kicked the bottom of the shield so hard that the shield went right up into a man's mouth so that the jaw fell on his chest. <laughs> then, all in one long movement, he grabbed the helmet with his left hand and pushed the Viking back off his horse while with his right hand he drew his sax, which he got from his mate, yeah. and brought it down on Snackle's neck, taking off his head. And wow. When, and, with, and when Snackle's followers saw that, they fled in all directions. Greta did not bother hunting him down because he saw there was no courage in him. So there you go. Wow. He's not all bad. He's, he does step in to, you know, help people out every now and again. Um, yeah. He's yeah. He's a he's a complicated character. Yeah, he's, I'm he's, not sure if I'd trust him, but I would like him around if I was in trouble. Uh, I think he's relatively trustworthy. He's just a dick. It's not. He's not. Uh, he doesn't really lie. Really, I mean, obviously that little verse that he did, but he's not like an outright liar. Like he admits to the things he's done when he's asked about them. Fair. He just does them in a, you know, way where he makes out like he's better than everyone else. Yeah. He's very, very arrogant, but that's, I suppose, like his main character flaw. Everything else, you know, he helps out these people. He goes and helps out with these hauntings, and he does all this for free, basically. Eventually, he gets made a full outlaw, which basically means you exist outside of the law, and anyone can do anything they want to you. You don't count anymore. Wow. And he's made this, uh, basically, he's prosecuted for... It's kind of an accident which happens when he's travelling. He burns down a farmstead um, and there's still people inside it. And oh. the two people who are inside it are the sons of this guy called Forer of Guard who lives in Iceland and basically prosecutes this case and wants Greta made a full outlaw because he says he's too dangerous and un, oh, know, a bit un- unhinged. And unhinged to be in society. So basically, when you get made an outlaw, it means anyone can do whatever they want to you, and there's no prosecution for so it. You don't really have any human rights. No. Such. So say uh, you were made an outlaw, then anyone who wanted to could kill you, and there'd be no repercussions for it. No one would be entitled to any compensation. Uh, no one could be prosecuted mm-hmm. for for it. It's not a crime you, because you don't exist as a member of society anymore. How come? Uh, because they didn't have like a death penalty. Like there's no, there was no death penalty. That surprises me. Yeah, death penalty didn't exist in medieval Iceland. You were just made an outlaw, which was basically like a death penalty. Because, yeah, because somebody could come and kill you and get away with it. Yeah, and because you've been made an outlaw, you probably would have been made an outlaw for killing someone else, and then their relatives can just come yeah. and kill you. They can get their revenge. However, as we've discussed before, and as we've described in that last story, Greta is a great warrior, uh, absolutely fearless, and he survives for twenty years. 
as an outlaw. Wow. People are trying to kill him this that whole time and no one's able to kill him. Um, well, until the end of his life where someone does <gasps> no. does actually... Oh, man. Um, Greta, 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 not Greta, like, Greta Gerwig, not like Greta Gerwig or Greta Garbo, like, <laughs> <laughs> like Greta, Greta. Um, so yeah, he does well. Uh, even while he's an outlaw, he goes and st- stays at people's houses who will have him because obviously you don't really want to shelter an outlaw because that's against the law in itself. Oh right. Okay. Um, but he goes and he, you know he saves people from hauntings and stuff like that. He does some good stuff he also does mad stuff as well like he goes and lives in a valley with giants for a few years mm. um, and sleeps there's like a giant and his daughters in the valley and he sleeps with all the giant's daughters but after, <laughs> after a year he gets bored of it and decides he needs to leave the valley even though his life there is ideal um, it's this hidden valley where no one can find him he basically finds it uh, through the help of like this magical guide it look like Finn? He doesn't know. It's another little woodland sprite. <laughs> it's another man. Sorry, there's a big there's a big pause there because I had to drink. Yeah, he was just having a sip of his old speckled hen. <laughs> his old speckled cock. That <laughs> oh, was unnecessary, wasn't it? <laughs> Cut that. <out. laughs> no, I'm not going to. We'll leave it now, so <laughs> everyone can see your dirty mind. <laughs> no, he's uh, it's basically he's shown there by someone else who's also another character quite similar to Gretti. Um, another like huge man who's sort of wandering the wilds of Iceland um, but he gets bored of this idyllic existence in this valley which is actually yeah because why w- people like him would yeah you don't want an idyllic an idyllic existence where you have everything you want that's no fun for someone like him no and that's he needs to be getting in trouble and yeah. doing what he wants yeah and so that's what he enjoys doing. Uh, it, he remarks quite a few times that things bore him in the saga. He's, yeah. He's really only enjoying himself when he's hacking people up. And, uh, Fair. And he does a really, really good job of it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, eventually it becomes pretty clear that everyone in Iceland do- isn't really going to shout him anymore. Even, like, his close family members after a long time are feeling pressure from other, like, families to not look after him. And so him and his brother, was it his half-brother? I think it's his half-brother, end up going out to this little island called Drangi, which is like, uh, often like north, northwest coast of Iceland, but like only a little bit off the coast. Okay. Um, it's got really, really steep cliffs all the way around it, and you can only access it by ladders, the top of the island. And so that's basically where he ends up going, people try going there to sort him out but he just pulls the ladders up and make, <laughs> he does he pulls the ladders up and he makes fun of them um, the guy that he really clashes That's with so at the good. end of a book whose name I've forgotten I think it's Forstein Hook um, what's it oh, what's his name sorry I'm just looking for it now I'm pretty sure it's Forstein Hook God this, I should well we can find out Forbjorn Hook, that's it. Forbjorn Hook. Hook. He basically has an argument with this guy. This guy doesn't like him. Gretir, at this point, is going to um, a local area where the island is just off off the coast of and basically raiding and looting. 
so that he can live on this island because there's no other way of being productive on this island. So he steals a lot of their sheep, is basically what he does. <laughs> because he needs stuff to eat. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Don't know so this guy, Thorbjorn uh, Hook, says to the people of this area, I'll deal with Gretir, but in return, like I want all the like the gains from this. Like I want to, you know, get all these all these sheep will be my own, and the reward for you guys is that Gretir is not there anymore. So basically, he's made Thorbjorn Hook's responsibility. Thorbjorn Hook goes out to the island. Gretir pulls the ladders up, uh, does this a few times, and then one time because Gretir is a massive dick, he just picks up a massive rock and then throws it down on the boat that they're in, and it breaks Thorbjorn Hook's leg. Uh, Bloody pretty, hell! Pretty badly. <laughs> Um, oh no, no, sorry. It breaks Forbion Hook's foster mother's leg really badly. <laughs> Why is she there? So she's there because she's described as being. Um, oh, it's difficult because we're coming on to like the last part of what I want to talk about now, which is like the supernatural magic that's conjured. She is what we would describe now in modern terms as someone who practiced witchcraft, but what she actually does isn't witchcraft as people would think of it. She's basically described in the book as an old woman who knows things, who remembers things from before Christianity. So it's saying like she has like some form of like pagan knowledge, but it's really, really ambiguous about what she actually does know. Um, And this is something that's really, really common in Icelandic sagas, is that you have people practicing this form of sort of supernatural magic that's not really discussed about what they're actually doing. It's just saying they are people who know things. So uh, she's gone out there to basically help Forbjorn Hook, her foster son. Um, and it doesn't go well because she ends up with a broken leg. And she basically ends up doing this weird, like, rune magic curse on Gretir. So she gets, like, an old piece of driftwood, basically, carves some runes into it, and then. I think she puts her blood into it and then, and then throws it into the sea. Oh. That gets carried out to Drangi, this island. Greta's half-brother goes and gathers this log. Greta's going to cut it up for firewood. He goes to hit with an axe and it strikes him in the leg. It slips off and then he notices that there's all runes carved into it and he says, that, oh, it's witchcraft that's caused this, basically. Ah. Cuts his leg and he ends up getting a really, really bad infection in it which basically brings him to death's door and then Forbjorn Hook eventually storms the island the ladders are left down and Gretir ends up getting killed but he's only really Forbjorn Hook is only really able to kill him because Gretir is about to die from this infection anyway I was going to say I didn't believe that he could really kill Gretir no so and that's the whole point of the story is that Gretir was only able to be killed using this sort of witchcraft which is fought very very badly in Iceland it reflects really, really badly on Thorbjorn Hook, and Thorbjorn Hook is actually made an outlaw for this by the same guy that made Gretir an outlaw. Um, Thorir of Guard thinks that, you know, he, Thorbjorn uh, Hook actually goes to Thorir of Guard to try and get some reward from him because he killed the person that killed his sons. But actually, Thorir of Guard thinks that Thorbjorn Hook's a real piece of shit for the way that he managed to do this because Gretir has, you know, survived all this time despite groups of people like there's loads of descriptions in the book about him killing you know a huge band of people that's come to try and yeah do him in (laughs) 
and we'll be on hooks had to resort to using black magic to do it yes so it looks really really bad on him for for hook gets basically exiled out of iceland oh really he ends up all the way in constantinople which is istanbul now in turkey oh right um, one of the things that the the ottoman empire I suppose it, yeah they I've were. I've heard about the Ottoman Empire. Have you talked about them before? Yeah, but it's, it wasn't. Sorry, it wasn't the Ottomans. It was um, the Byzantine Empire, who were like the continuation of the Roman Empire in the east. So like in Turkey, it was like all Byzantine. So like, sort of Greek culture really, um, and they had this thing called the Varangian Guard, which was like this group of Scandinavians who served the emperor, and were incredible warriors. This guy turns up there, but as it happens, Gretir's, one of Gretir's half-brothers is also there and ends up killing him and they get their revenge. So the whole plot closes eventually and this guy goes to Rome uh, eventually to perform penance because he's a good Christian. And that's where the story ends. So Gretir gets killed after oh, 20 years. Oh, Gretir, I'm really upset about this, actually. I feel quite... I liked him. He was yeah. a rogue... He is a rogue. I like that. Um, he's, a, I mean, I would say to anyone read this book, it's really, really interesting. I can't imagine anyone not enjoying reading this. Okay. Like, there's, you know, so many, and the thing is that's good about it is if you're someone like me that struggles to read a book from start to finish, because I will read something one third of the way through and then start a new book, and then eventually go back to it. That surprises me to say you're so clever. I I'm I really struck there's very, very few books where I can start and then finish before moving on to something else. Like I'll pick something new up and read a third of it. I bet Gretia was the same. Yeah, you got bored of things easily. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the book is Gretia's saga in any form of translations. The translation I've got in front of me is by Jesse Bayek. You can get it's like an Oxford World classic and it's like a tenor probably. Um it's, you can read it for free on the internet because there are translations of it on the internet. Uh, a library will have it. Mm-hmm. Wherever you want to get it from, like, there'll be a PDF of it on the internet. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, I think it's www.saga- or saga.is is the Icelandic saga database if you want to read it all on your computer. Like, that would do my head in, but you can mm-hmm. read it all. But the good thing about it is it's all broken into like short little chapters which like are almost like self-contained stories. Like yeah. there is a broader narrative in it but like the chapter with the berserker is just a short little story and then it's done and it moves on and you get these nice little sections. It also has my favourite chapter title of anything ever which is A Horse Fight Leads to Violence <laughs> which is I remember the first time I read this back when I was doing my MA, but no BA, and I thought that was the best fucking thing I'd ever read. A horse fight, at least of ones, because horse fighting was a thing in Iceland as well. Horse fighting, fighting on horses, or no, getting horses, getting to, horses fight. to fight each other. How do you get horses to fight? Each uh, other? You hit them with sticks until they fight each other. Oh, that's basically. awful. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Oh no. But. Oh. Um, and so yeah, Greta is fighting a horse against uh, someone else, and. <laughs> The other guy hits Greta with his stick that he's using to hit the horse to goad it into fighting, and they end up hitting each other with sticks. Does Greta kill him? Uh, I think he does eventually, but not immediately afterwards. Everything becomes very tense there because it's a horse fight already. You know, it'd be like starting like trying to kill someone at a fucking UFC event. 
Like you're already going to have loads of people who are literally spoiling for a fight there anyway. <laughs> so, you know, it's not a smart. It's not a smart move. So everyone like goes for their swords, basically goes for their axes, goes for their weapons, and everyone backs down. But there's a lot of threats made, and eventually those threats get delivered upon. But nothing happens at the time. Do you like him? You like Greta? Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Well, I hope that's made that some people want to actually read this saga. I think so. And it hasn't, like, I mean, there's spoilers in it, but... I hope you've all listened to the end. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like a test. I hope everyone's listening still. If they're still listening here, how will we check if people are still listening? We won't. Say something weird that you don't know if you've watched, uh, watched, listened to the whole thing. Finn has the wettest eyes in England. There you go. Finn has wet eyes. <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess we're about done. It's nearly an hour. That went quick. It did, really quick. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks a lot. I and can't get into the Instagram. It's logged me out because it's been so long. Um, I don't have Facebook anymore, so I can't use that. Oh, yeah. So you'll have to use that. Okay. We g- okay. Um, Twitter is still there. We'll update and we'll upload this. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And we will record another one. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, 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 bye.